0: As merry a Christmas as I did. I got to wake up Christmas morning to the sound of all of my grandchildren running through the house. and uh, For Cindy and I, that's about as happy as it gets, getting to have all of our kids and grandkids together. I learned something about grandkids, and that's that they pass great germs. And uh, the reason that I'm sitting down this morning is because if I stood up, I would really embarrass myself after a little while by passing out. So I'm, I'm on the recovery stage, hopefully, of whatever bug. And apparently when I got home, our, our answering machine was loaded with people who are not feeling well as, as well. And so we just ask God's touch on all of us who know the healer today. It's so nice to see so many of you with family members that are here. And uh, I'm thankful that you've had the opportunity to... Not only spend time with family, but also just to, to choose to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Can you believe that this is the last Sunday of 2018? For those of you who are old like me, you have discovered the years get faster as you get older. For you young people, <laughs> we know it's coming. Uh, unfortunately, this morning, your, your outline in the bulletin is useless. Uh, I had created an outline of a, a Christmas theme that I was going to be working through. And um, how many of you, during your devotions, you have a list of verses that you want to read, and you get in there, and something catches you in there, and you never get to finish what you're doing because you get, your attention is, is attached to something that's said there, and you just stop there. Uh, this message this morning is as a result of a rabbit trail that led out of preparation for the message that I was going to preach. Um, I was going to talk about angels we have heard on high and talk about the angelic beings that were uh, having the opportunity to be the mouthpieces of God to the things that were taking place. And and as I got to that and I began to, to do a little study on that, the whole topic of angels just began to kind of explode in my heart. And this morning I would like to to share with you just for a few minutes on the ministry of angels. Has that ever intrigued any of you? If not, I hope that maybe this morning it, it will. But I begin to, to think about angels and angelic beings and, and recognizing that there's this whole invisible world out there. It's invisible to us. It's a, it's a spiritual world. And how different it is when we open our Bible and, and, and we begin to discover... Um, that there are two kind of spirits in our world. There are those that come from God and there are those that are demonic. And there is an active war that's taking place that we are often, we feel the results of that war and and it's reflected in our attitudes it's reflected in our moods it's reflected whether we have good days bad days or whether certain days we feel victorious or certain days that we feel defeated I believe that that this is a reflection of things that are taking place around us that we don't necessarily see with our physical eyes but certainly is real and before I kind of get into a story that that's going to reveal some things I want to just share with you some some aspects of angels just so that we can kind of become a little bit better acquainted with them first of all Angels were created by God. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, You alone are the Lord, and you made the heavens even the highest heavens, and all their starry hosts. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You get this idea. Now, Now, when God talks about multitudes, I'm thinking in millions and billions and billions. That there's this aspect of created beings out there that God has created uh, for himself. And it was like he just spoke it and boom, there were angels. There were these spiritual beings to, to whom God gave existence. And he made it very clear, angels do not procreate. They don't marry and, and don't have children. They, they don't multiply like we do as human beings. They individually were created by God. We also, if we recognize what does an angelic being look like or what would their nature be like... I would would say that out of all of the choices, we probably would call them persons. And the reason I do that is not not because they're persons like us, but because they have personalities. Um, The test for personality is intellect, emotion, and will. And because angels have all of these wrapped up in the being of who God has created them to be, uh, we understand that, that they would be considered to be a persons, a created persons, because of their ability to think, and, and some of the interactions that we'll have in the, in the Scripture this morning indicates to us that they think, they, they have wills. We know because of, of some of them that chose to not follow the Lord and, and follow Satan were cast out. We, we understand that their emotions, we're going to discover how there's times when they celebrate us, there's, there's times when they experience sadness, and so... We would consider them to be persons by the personalities that they have. We know that they have rank and organization. We, we recognize that Michael is the great archangel. He would be the head of all of the angelic hosts. We understand that Gabriel is a spokesman uh, and has delivered many messages on behalf of God. Uh, Daniel tells us that they are chief princes and principalities and powers. So we recognize that the angelic hosts have definitive organizational style. And uh, they're very, very organized. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says that angels are sent to be ministers to those who are heir of salvation. Now I just want you to know if you're saved this morning, if Jesus is your Savior, then angels, one of their jobs is to minister to us. I kind of like that. You know, we've often used the term guardian angel, and and I don't know about you, but I have given mine a full-time job. Uh, Many of you may have as well. But angels are fellow servants, and they are to help us and minister to those who are heirs of salvation. There's also a relationship of angels to the unbeliever. And that is related to us in the fact that it will be the angels that will open the vials of God's judgment and pour out the judgments on the earth after the church has been raptured. Uh, And that would not be a job that I would want to have to have, but God has given that. And this morning, I want to take a passage of Scripture. This is really what started me on this this rabbit trail, and I'm going to ask if you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'm going to read a couple of verses from this, and then I'm going to kind of encapsulate the story and then kind of wrap up with four things that I believe that God wants to share with us this morning about this. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. It says, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Father, I pray that you take your word this morning and that you would begin to apply it in our lives in the ways that encourage us, in ways that would instill a greater confidence in you And an understanding that we are living in a temporary world, but there is a real world, an eternal world that's just beyond the curtain that you are entirely in control of. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. If you keep your thumb in this sixth chapter of of 2 Kings, about halfway through it, you get to verse 8, and then about for the next 20 verses or so, there's this unbelievable story that I would just like to encapsulate for you in just a couple of minutes. Depending on the version of the Bible you're using, the the, the Scripture says it's either the king of Aram or the king of Syria is warring with the king of Israel. And the king of Aram is making battle plans as a strategic. You know, As a strategist, he's, he's working to try to put his armies in places where he can capture Israel, where he can defeat them. And, and it seems like every time he has a strategy session with his generals, it seems as if instantly Elisha, the prophet of God, knows about it. And he goes to the king of Israel and he says, by the way, this is what the king of Aram is doing. So you may want to change your plans. And, and as you might imagine, this became... Something that was very agitating to the king of Aram. In fact, the Bible says that he became so distressed that he thought, as any of us would, that there is a spy in our meetings. Somebody is sitting here listening to the instructions and the plans that we have and are running to the king of Israel and telling him. And it was one of his servants that said, You don't have a spy. The problem is it's the prophet Elijah. The prophet in Israel is telling the king of Israel the very words that you are speaking in your bedroom. In other words, you can't have a thought that the prophet doesn't already know and is telling the king of Israel. And so every time you try to make a plan, it is completely frustrated because the prophet tells the king. And so there's nothing that you can do. There's no place that you can go. God is so on their side and so against you that that's why these things are happening. And so... The king of Aram begins to recognize, if this prophet Elijah, or Elisha, is my problem, then I'm going to go after him, and and the verse 13 says, go out and find him, and that I can send men and capture him, And, and he was told that he was in Dothan, so he begins to send horses and chariots and great armies, and they come by night, and they surround the city, and how many of you have ever been known to overreact? Any of you that that's your that's your spiritual gift, the gift of overreaction? Some of you. This is this particular passage of scripture, in my opinion, is one of the greatest overreactions that's ever been recorded for us, because there is one prophet, one person that they're going after. And the Bible tells us that this king, he sends all of his horses, he sends all of his chariots, he sends an enormous army, and they come by night so that they can surround it. And in the morning they wake up and they've got this whole little village surrounded by this massive army so that they can capture Elisha so that the strategist king of Aram could go ahead and make his plans. Well... The servant of Elisha, when he gets up that morning, is having his coffee, and he opens the shades, and he looks out, and he discovers, oh, no, we are surrounded, and it looks bad. And so he rushes back to Elisha, and he says, just what you and I would say if we were in a situation. He goes, what are we going to do? He goes, oh, my Lord, what shall we do? Now, I tried to picture what this might be like for any of us. If we woke up in the morning and you go in and you grab your first cup of coffee and you open the shades and you recognize that your whole house is surrounded by tanks. And every one of them has their big guns aimed at your home and you suddenly realize as you're shaking, this is not going to be a good day. And Elisha looks at his servant and he says to him, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Now, let me just ask you a question. How many of you that those words from your spouse or anybody else when you're surrounded by tanks and you're going, uh, you got to look at and don't, don't worry about it. Our army's bigger than all those tanks that are aimed. How many of you would feel much better instantly? <laughs> that, oh, that... My coffee's going to taste so much better now. (laughs) And Elisha knew something. And there's this miracle that, that occurs only here in the Bible. At least a miracle like this. And Elisha prays that his servant's eyes would be opened so that he could see what Elisha knows is there. And suddenly... God peels back the curtain between the eternal world and the temporary world and Elisha's servant looks up and stands in absolute awe because it says that he looks up and he sees the hills, which, you know, some of it says the mountain. In other words, there's not a space out there that was not loaded with angels and chariots and fire in the presence of God to the point where it made this surrounding army that had come with great overkill to get Elisha, it suddenly put into perspective for this servant, oh, I feel better because now I have been able to see with my eyes that there is a spirit world out there, that there is a God who has angelic armies that he surrounds us with. And he recognizes that even in the overkill of Aram sending his army to surround this little village, that there's more in God's army than there was in Aram's. And let me just say this about angels, that, you know, they're spirit beings, but sometimes God gives them the opportunity and the, the ability to become physical. You know, that's why in the Old Testament they they talk about entertaining angels unaware. Abraham did this, you know, had angels. And and it's always fascinated me, the people that talk about stories. This has maybe happened to you where, you know, something was going on and out of nowhere. Somebody shows up and gives you help. You turn around to thank them and they're gone, you know. and Any of you ever had that happen? I've never had that happen. (laughs) And you think, man, I just had an encounter with an angel. But in this instant, God allowed this servant to see behind the curtain into what really is going on. And in this moment, he looks up and the skies and the hills are filled with the power of God that puts into the perspective the power of the enemy. How many of you could use that today? You're ready for a perspective of the power of God that puts the fear of the power of the enemy into perspective it was interesting also because a little bit later and this is one of the fascinating things about the scripture it says that as they came forward Elisha spoke blindness to them he just said okay God now that we've seen how great your army is uh, just make them all blind so the army comes in and they're blind which is I want to see this on God's DVD when I get there when So he prayed a different prayer, strike him with blindness. So he struck him with blindness, and they come in, and Elisha... Now, this proves to me that Elisha was sarcastic. I'll tell you why. Because Elisha steps out now in front of this blind army, and he speaks to them. Now, to put this in perspective, how many of you are Star Wars fans? Okay. This was Star Wars in the Old Testament. Okay, this was the Jedi mind trick. He steps out and he goes, this is not the way. This is not the city. Follow me and I will bring you to who you're looking for. And this enormous blind army says, okay. (laughs) They're blind, really, what are they going to do? And so he marches them 10 miles right into the city of Samaria where the king of Israel is. And then there's this fascinating interaction because the king of Israel, naturally when you have your enemy marched into your camp by a Jedi mind trick right to where you are, the king's going, I can end this war right now. We can kill them all while they're blind. And Elisha goes, I got a better idea. Let's throw a banquet. He says, feed them so that they may eat and then let them go to their master." And so the king prepared a great feast, and they had eaten and drunk. He sends them away, and the Syrians or the Arabs really never bothered them again for a number of years. Can you imagine the stories that they told their kids? But out of this passage of Scripture, there are four truths that I just want to briefly touch on for you for the next few minutes, and I want to encourage you today because I believe every one of us needs to get from verse 15 where we open the window and see we're surrounded to verse 17 where we can begin to see that our God is greater than the circumstances that we see around us. And here's the first truth that I'd like you to write down. God's word is more powerful than the armies of the world. God's word is more powerful than the armies of the world. I don't know about you but I believe that at least as it relates to me I deal with a spiritual insecurity complex from time to time. I know what the word says. I know how powerful God is. I know that he's the supreme ruler. But sometimes I, I would like to be able to tap into his power a little bit greater than I do. Any of you feel that way? And so there are moments when our mood is directly... Uh, affected by the things that we see with our eyes and I believe that out of this passage of scripture one of the things that God wants us to see is that he has got us surrounded even when we don't think he's there some of you are going through circumstances in your life today that you can't wait for this year to be over partly because this year hasn't turned out the way you thought it should There have been times when you started this year and you thought it was going to be victory after victory and you're sitting here at the end of this year and you're feeling as if I have been overcome. I feel rather than being victorious that I've been captured. And today the Lord simply wants to remind you His word is more powerful than the armies that you think are trying to defeat you. And in the middle of all of this, God can deploy angels. They are at at His command And he defends you in ways that you never fully understand. One of the interesting ways that we see this is understanding the power of God and the way that it interacts with man is, is an interaction that took place between Pilate and Jesus. When Jesus was standing before Pilate, Pilate, as the leader of the people, thinks that he has all of this power and all of this authority. And he says to Jesus, don't you realize I have the power to crucify you and I have the power to release you? He sounds confident, doesn't he? He sounds arrogant. And Jesus, in a very understated way, just kind of looks at him and he says to him, you would have no power whatsoever were it not given you from above. In other words, you're living in a temporary world making eternal decisions that are going to really mess you up in the long run. Jesus was saying, Pilate, if you only could see what I see, I could say the word and your lungs would collapse you wouldn't be able to breathe I could speak the word and your brain would turn to mush I could speak the word and everything that you think is yours would be dissolved you see you're in this position because I allow it and only because I allow it everything that you have and are under my hands you can do nothing unless I give you the ability to do it and sometimes I think we forget that as children of God when we're going through difficult circumstances and we think somehow the enemy is winning oh no he's not greater is our army than their army and you begin to look at that as it relates to the number of christians throughout the world that are being persecuted today or killed and simply because they're christians and 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 we begin to wonder why god doesn't just change circumstances and change things but I want you to know that just because God has the angel armies doesn't always mean that life will be easy for us. But he's living in a world where he sees things in an eternal way. But he has the adequate resources to do everything that he needs to do. And sometimes we have to hang on to that. In a world that it's lost its way, that God is confidently in charge and his army is bigger than the armies that surround you. Secondly, Elisha's prayer did not bring the angels. Elisha's prayer did not bring the angels in fact Elisha's prayer was only that God would open the eyes of his servant to see what was already there he already knew that the power was there and around them and so he simply said I just want you to teach my servant a lesson now I don't know if he did this because God had showed him that in the past and he was just walking in the confidence of that and I do believe that we as God's people can learn to walk in a little bit more confidence in the power of God but the army was already there it was, it was encamped. I believe that any time that we are in danger of being overcome, if we could just see, we would see that God has already prepared. All the power that we need to be overcomers, it's already there. We just don't see it yet. But they were already deployed to be there. You know, he didn't say, oh, God, send the angels. He just said, open his eyes so that he can see. God had already accomplished, and brought the provision to be exactly where it needed to be at the moment that it needed to be there. And I believe that each of us needs to come to an understanding that God has already brought the provision for everything that you need for life and for godliness, and it's already been given. It's part of the blessing of being his child. We might not always see it. We might not always receive it in the way or the timing that we think, but God has already deployed it. It's already been given to us. The way that you know, and here's one of the ways that I'd say we can kind of measure ourselves spiritually as, as to how we're doing in spiritual growth, is, is when we come to an understanding in Ephesians that said he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings um, in heavenly places in Christ, the way this affects our prayer is do... Is your prayer one of those where you're always coming to God? God, I just want to remind you today that this is my need. I, just, I need to tell you, God, I, I, I don't know if you heard me the last 14 days that I prayed this, but I just want to pray this again because you've just got to know I need, I need, I need, I need, and, and, and you need to do, and you need to do. If that is your prayer, then somehow you have missed the idea that God has already sent his blessings for you. And the way that we begin to tap into that is, Lord, I want to thank you For the provision that you have already given me to go through every circumstance that I may face. I may not see it with my eyes, but I sense it in the sensitivities of my inward being that you are at work and that you are a God of all blessing and that it has been sent my way so Lord help me through the eyes of my spirit to see your provision lay hold of it so that whatever I'm going through I can be a a, a glorious testimony for you and all that you desire for me you see the blessings already been given in Jesus so Elisha's prayer didn't bring the angels it just revealed the provision that was already there thirdly Only God can open people's eyes, and only God can blind them. You'll notice very clearly that when Elisha prayed, it was the Lord that opens the uh, the servant's eyes. You'll also notice very clearly that when the army uh, began to come at him, Elisha asked God to blind them. It was God that did both the opening and the closing. Here's the way that I pray for us. Ephesians 1.18 says that the eyes of my heart would be enlightened. So here's what I pray for us as we approach this new year. May we approach it in such a way that our prayer would, God, let me see things in the spirit I've never seen before. Let my heart be enlightened. I already belong to you. You've you've cleansed me. I'm I'm in your family. My name is written down. And so as a result of that, the blessings of relationship have already been bestowed to me fully. I'm living out this test of the world, but we're going to win. And then he's going to take his church home, and we're going to get to see things as they really are. In the meantime, God, would you let my heart be enlightened? So that I can see things as they are. Here's Here's what happened. Some of you that may be here today may not be in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's not a single word that I can say that's going to convince you. It's the Spirit of the Lord that enlightens your heart to the fact that you're in need and there's an answer available to you. It's God enlightening your heart that I am in need and I can't make my way out without a Savior. And that's our prayer. And then when you come to know Him, you ask that God would enlighten your heart so that you can continue to see. This, I believe, also helps us as we pray for one another, as we prepare starting next Sunday and through that week for a week of prayer. You're saying, you know what, I, in an hour, that's a long time to pray. Um, do you know that if you don't know how to pray for somebody, just pray that God would enlighten their heart? Lord, enlighten their heart so that they can see you at work. They know how you're moving. They, they know how you're blessing. Because apart from His Spirit, nobody can see. Also enlighten our heart, Lord, so that we can begin to see your provision in a way, that if God be for us, who can be against us? If God before us, who can be against us? And number four, it's not necessary to see angels to appreciate them. What do you think would have happened if the servant had not had his eyes open? Would the horses and the chariots and the fire not been there? Or would they have been there anyway and just unrecognized? I begin to think about that. It's one of those rabbit trails that my mind goes on. And I sat back in awe and wonder, what do you think this room looks like in the spirit? What do you think the glory of the Lord looks like if he was just to peel the curtain back for a minute? What do you think it's like in those times when you are absolutely lonely? The Spirit of the Lord, the power of Almighty God, is here. The fire of His presence is here. I can't see it yet, but I feel it. It begins to awaken a prophetic nature in us. Begins to lead us into places of of new joy. And as we look at this text, I've, I've never seen an angel in person. Now I'm married to a woman that could be the closest thing that there is on this earth. And Cindy is in Maryland with our grandkids today and I hope that she listens to this message. But as you look at the text, God never even used these chariots of fire. He didn't even need this army. Never never deployed them, never said to use them. It was strictly for the servant who thought he was outnumbered to just look up there and say, just want you to see this. Boom. Now relax. And for some of you today, God's saying, just want you to see this. Boom. Now relax. Don't even have to use them. But they're there. In fact, there was no work on the part. How, how, I often think of these angel armies. How disappointing must it be for them? They're always deployed and they never get to do anything. But the Lord had them there. And I believe that God always has angels on call because they're there to love and to serve, not because he actually needs them. God doesn't need any help in taking care of each of us. In fact, when Jesus was in the garden right before he was arrested and taken to Gethsemane, Judas comes and he kisses him, betrays him. The soldiers come and they take him and Peter jumps up and being within his personality is going to prove to Jesus just how strong he is and whips off the ear with a sword of of one of the soldiers that were there and Jesus puts it back on which had to be a really big discouragement to Peter. Just did my best work and you're healing the guy? And then Jesus looks at Peter and he he simply says to him, Peter, I could have called billions of angels, legions. They are right here and you can't see them. In fact, they are so anxious for me to deploy them that if I had given the word, every one of you would have been destroyed for the evil that you have fought, the things that you had done. In fact, I could call them right now And everybody who has ever hated me Would instantly be gone But he didn't use them The angels were there The chariots were there The fire was there He didn't use them Even though he could have Because he loved us enough To want us to have relationship with him The Bible says that The angels are ministering spirits Sent forth to minister To them who shall be heirs of salvation And that's us So how do they minister to us? First of all If we could see in here, one of the things I love about this church is there's rarely a Sunday that goes by when somebody doesn't receive Christ here. And the Bible says that the moment that that happens, it tells us in Luke 15, seven, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. In other words, angels are partiers. I mean that in the holiest sense. In this church and churches around the world, there are parties that go on. The moment one of you has the Lord revealed to you because your heart is open and you respond to him, you receive him, recognizing at that moment he transfers your sin and guilt onto himself and he gives his righteousness to you, which we do not deserve, and the angels go crazy. And the reason is they've seen this whole story from beginning to end. And they know the work that it took to bring you to salvation and it is a victory story for them and they are shouting hallelujah just on the other side of our hearing they're rejoicing and they're shouting and having a party because another believer has come to Christ then of course there are some of them that protect us during our lifetime and some of you have really given your guardian angels a run for their money I mention this because I do believe as we look at our lives, how many of you have said this at one point or another? One or two seconds and everything would have been different. One or two seconds. I don't know why I didn't go immediately when the light turned green because that's my nature. But for whatever reason, I delayed. I want you to know something. I, I firmly believe that there are angels that are surrounding us going, nope, 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 not yet, not yet now. I believe that when we get to heaven, we're going to discover that God had deployed angels to protect us in things we never knew. We had no idea, and we're going to sit there and go, I wish I'd have known that. I'd have praised you differently. We just didn't know. But they protect us at God's command, and then they welcome us into heaven. In Luke 16, there's this interaction between a rich man who dies and goes to Hades and Lazarus who... Dies and goes to heaven, and there's this line in there that, that because I'm a picture person, I can just picture it when it says, and the angels carried Lazarus, carried him. Some of you know my story that my mom and dad were missionaries, and the day they came home to retire from missionaries, my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer, and, and she was just with us 50 days before God changed her retirement location to a much better place. But I remember in the final hours, I sat with Mom and and I said, Mom, I I just have to talk to you for a second. I have to ask you a question. I said, if Jesus shows up in this room or if angels come in here, will you tell me? I want to know what they look like. I want to know what it feels like. And she smiled at me. She goes, I make no promises. It was my son, actually, who was in that room a few hours later when when the angels came in and carried her to Jesus. And for those of you who have been with godly loved ones in that moment, there seems to be a reoccurring theme of people that said, I can't describe it. There was grief, yes, but there was such peace. Because I believe that when the power of God deployed through angels, begins to carry us to where Jesus is, that that might be where the veil is the thinnest between the eternal world and our temporary world. Now, we don't worship angels, but I admire them. One of the things that I admire about them is that it tells us in 1 Peter 1.12 regarding salvation that the time of Jesus and salvation is something the angels desire to look into. And the reason they desire to look into it is because angels can never be saved. In fact, and the worship team, I'm going to ask them to prepare themselves. They are so enamored with our redemption. And they do this, they, they look into it without one ounce of jealousy. Because listen, there is coming a moment when we when we will be elevated above the angels because of our relationship with Jesus. And they all know this, that, that those that they are protecting are someday going to be commanding them. But here's one thing an angel can never do. An angel can never be a brother or a sister to Jesus. But you and I can. Because the Bible says that Jesus, through his redemption, won us and that we became joint heirs with Jesus. We are heirs of everything that the Father hath. Angels can never do that. So they recognize And they look with great interest at our salvation because they understand they are dealing with beings who are someday going to be joint heirs of all of the power of heaven that they see every day. And they still love us and work with us and know us. And there's not an ounce of envy in them. Amazing beings that God has created. So the question is this, how do we prepare for an unseen world? The Bible says it's the unseen world that's eternal, and it's what we see here that's temporary. So I'm gonna ask, just close your eyes for a moment and bow your heads if you would. Maybe you're here today, and the Holy Spirit is opening the eyes of your heart. You'd say, Pastor, I I would like to receive that Jesus today. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask that you would just simply lift your head and look at me and I'm going to agree with you I'm not going to embarrass you and then I'm going to pray for all of those that responded today and as we do there's going to be a great celebration in heaven just outside of our earshot so I'm starting on my far right your far left is is Jesus knocking on the door of your heart today yes sir I agree with you yes ma'am I agree with you moving now to the the left center is Jesus just knocking on the door of your heart yes ma'am I agree with you Moving now into the right center. Is this your moment? You say, yeah, uh, my eyes are being opened to my heart, and I I see I need him. All the way over now, yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Any in the overflow this morning? Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Yes, sir, 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 I agree with you. Heavenly Father. Thank you for taking your word and opening the eyes of our heart with it. And right now I ask that you would begin to jot down the names of everybody who responded to you because they are recognizing today that you are the Savior they've always needed. And as you do so, Lord, I pray that this would not be the only time that the eyes of their heart are open, but that you would continue to do that within them so that they can grow in you. Father, for those that may be discouraged today, that have felt that they're surrounded, would you let this word be an encouragement to them so that they can recognize, not only is it greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world, but greater is your army than any army in the world. And we receive this in Jesus' name, amen. (music)